So as you may can tell, Pastor Phillip's not here today. He is at the beach, and he is a bum. <laughs> so he's letting me preach this morning, so I, I'm glad to get that opportunity. Uh, I think that's really cool that I get to do this again. And um, uh, just pray for him. He's suffering for Jesus down at the beach with his family on vacation. Man. Uh, but before I get started, I do want to say one thing. Um, something that our church does that is really cool is uh, we provide devotionals for our members. Um, if you do not have a devotion that you do, um, we would encourage you to pick those up. We have them right out here in the little rack right in the middle. Um, just go get you one of those. It, you know, it, it's such an awesome thing just to spend some time with God every day. Uh, just how we need to be doing that anyways as Christians, but to have maybe some devotional guide to go through to help you do that. Maybe you have something that you're doing, and that's great. Maybe you just you know, open up Scripture, let God speak to you, and read it, and that's great. Maybe you have a, a book you go through or a devotional guide you go through. That's great. But if you don't, we have it out here. So I just want to make that known to everyone. I think everyone pretty much does know about that, um, but it's just a, just a cool thing that we do as a church. Also, I got this really cool book. Um, it's also a devotional guide, so maybe this is something you want to do. Um, it's actually, it's a book that goes through Proverbs, uh, actually Proverbs chapter 11. It's called 11, and um, it just takes one verse a day. Uh, the author, um, he's kind of, I'm not real sure about him, um, I think it's Philip Brand, Philip Brand, uh, so <laughs> if you want to get one of these, it's on Amazon, you can just look it up, 11, it's uh, it's a great book. I haven't read it yet, but, you know, it's by a great author. So um, he's going to kill me. If he watches this, he's going to kill me when he comes back. So, oh, well, I got the stage today, right? <laughs> um, but anyways, as we get going, let's just, I want to I see some hands this morning. How many of you like action movies? I mean, like, shoot 'em up bang bangs, you know, westerns. Uh, Transformers, any kind of war movie, anything like that. Um, I love, especially growing up, I love to watch old Western movies. You know, and I can attribute that to my papa because he got me hooked on John Wayne, the Duke, growing up. And, you know, something that's really cool, my papa is actually here today uh, in the audience, and this is, I think, the first time you've heard me preach, I'm pretty sure. Um, so he kind of, he got me, you know, on, on westerns and on uh, all that stuff. I used to love the fight scenes. I used to love the fight scenes, you know, whether it be in the saloon, the, the guys are just beating each other up, you know, hand-to-hand combat's going on. I used to love that stuff. I used to love fighting so much um, that when I was a kid, any time that I would play, like, with my toys, it was always fighting. You know, I don't know how many, I'm sure every boy probably has done this. You know, I had a ton of stuffed animals. I had Beanie Babies growing up. And man, I would make those things fight. They would just be going at it, uh, just fighting. It was just, it was so cool. I actually saw something on the internet the other day. Uh, I had two Beanie Babies that they were, one was like a crab, one was this bear. They were like real colorful. Found out that together, they're actually worth about $40,000. And I, I was like, Wow. You know, they're destroyed now because I fought with them all the time. <laughs> like, great. Yeah, the tags are probably gone. Uh, whatever. But anyways, I used to love that stuff. I used to love, you know, just the art of fighting and, and all that good stuff. Um, 
you know, as you get older, you, 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 it's not really good to fight people, right? We don't, we don't fight people. But fighting is still a good thing. Anything you do in life, you have to have some sort of fight inside you, whether it's just at your job, fighting to, to do your job well, whether it's um, in your marriage, fighting not against your spouse, but fighting for your marriage, fighting to continue to you know, let that fire be strong and your love and your faithfulness to be strong, whether it's just um, in your everyday Christian life, you're always fighting towards something. If you have your Bibles today, you can uh, open to Ephesians chapter 6. And I have notes, just like Pastor Philip, but he doesn't use his. I might use mine today. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, what I'm going to be doing here, actually, this is an idea that Pastor Philip had, is I've, I've had this desire to preach a series on the armor of God, and just to take each piece of the armor and just to dive into it, to dive into what it means, you know, just different things about it. And Philip said, why don't you just, every time you get a chance to preach, why don't you just go ahead and do that? And so that's what I'm going to do today. We're going to dive into the full armor of God. Now here's the thing, though, is the next time I preach, I'm not preaching on the full armor of God because it's a series that Philip is doing, and I'm part of that series. So you won't get to hear that next time I preach. But the time after that, we might cover the second piece of the armor. But today, we're going to go ahead and dive into this. Um, and this is, this is about spiritual warfare, okay? Spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know, in life... We have a fight to fight. Um, there's always something happening in the background that it's the spiritual forces that are, that are fighting. It's, it's God's forces fighting for good, and it's the devil's forces fighting for evil. There's something always going on in the background. Now, before I go much further, I do want to make a clarification because we as humans, we have a responsibility for our own sin, our own sin nature, who in here has ever, and I'll raise my hand because I know I've done this, the devil made me do it. Who, who's ever said that before? It just is the devil made me do it. That temptation I was dealing with, the devil just, he tempted me, he made me do it. Or, you know, whatever I was struggling with, it was all the devil, it, it's that. Yeah, but there's, there is a level where you have to take personal responsibility for your actions, for your sin. There is a, an, an element, because we live in a fallen state, that we're just going to do things that are, that are wrong, and we need to take that that responsibility to correct those things. However, saying that though, there still is a level where the devil wants to tear you apart. If there's anything good that's happening in your life that God is working for his goal, for his good, the devil wants to put that fire out. The devil wants to completely destroy that. Paul knows that. Paul, I mean, he, every day, he's experiencing the devil coming at him and the spiritual forces of evil trying to take him out from doing what's good, from doing what God has called him to do, spreading that gospel, starting the churches, being the missionary that God called him to, to be. 
Um, he knew this very well. So he says this. He says, our wrestle, our fight, is not that so much it's against flesh and blood. It's not really so much against the people here. It's against the spiritual forces of evil. Um, you know, a lot of times something may happen where someone has just come to you and they have just, oh, irritated you so bad. Or maybe they're doing something that it's just, it's destroying your plans or maybe it's destroying your joy or your happiness. You might want to look a little bit in the, in, the, um, in the background because there's probably something that either they're dealing with or the devil maybe is, um, is tempting them to do that or is manipulating that situation. There's something that is going on in the background and our fight is against the spiritual forces that is happening. The spiritual fight that's happening. And so that's what we're talking about today. Um, as we read further... Paul, he says to do this, in order to stand up against the spiritual forces, he gives us some instruction. He says to take up the full armor of God. So today in verse 13 it says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, to stand firm. Part of our fight isn't so much that we're going out there and offensively chopping down the enemy. Part of our fight is that we're standing strong on the truth of the gospel. We're standing strong on God and we're taking up his power and his might as we go to fight this evil. Because here's the thing, we can't fight evil on our own. God has to be the one who is fighting, but Paul says this, to stand firm. Do everything you can to stand firm to stand strong when the evil day comes. And so the first step that he says to do is this, is in verse 14. He says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And so today, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the belt of truth. Um, Paul would have known a lot about the Roman, uh, Roman guards, the Roman soldiers, because he spent a lot of time chained up to them. Uh, he spent a lot of time in prison. He spent a lot of time, you know, with the government on his heels trying to stomp him out or maybe, uh, you know, the Jewish people trying to get him in trouble and saying, no, we don't like this, what he's saying. Let's put him in jail. Let's start a riot. Let's say he's doing all these things. And so he spent a lot of time in prison. So he got a good picture. I mean, just imagine sitting there chained, I, I guess, around your ankle or whatever, chained to this Roman guard. You probably had a lot of time to look at his armor. I know I would. I would be looking at that stuff being like, wow, look at that helmet. Look at that breastplate. That's really cool. That belt. How does that work? Man. And I would probably even ask him, like, I mean, how is, how is this going to work, um, you know, in battle? What are the different things that, what is this going to protect? What is this going to do? Just because I'd be interested in that stuff. I don't know if Paul did that, but I would. If I was in prison next to the Roman guard, I would probably do that. But he did. He, he was able to see the full picture of the Roman, the Roman guard, the Roman soldier. And so it's most likely that in this, um, in this description of the full armor of God, he's, doing, he's making an illustration and he's equating it to the, the armor of the Roman soldier. I was telling my wife Heather about this 
last night. And I said, you know, that's really cool. I told her all this stuff. That he's probably, it was probably the Roman soldier. She said, wow, really? Is that true? Is that really? That? I'm preaching about truth tomorrow. I hope it is. I hope it's true. <laughs> I mean, to the best of my knowledge, it is. Um, so we're going to go with that. I'm, I'm about 99% sure that's true. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this belt of truth, if you look at the guy, he's, it's right around here. It's, kinda, it's right under the, breast pro, the breastplate. And it was made out of leather. This one is actually a little bit different than what I'm going to be describing. I should look at that closer. But it was made, it was made out of leather. It did have a little shoulder strap that kind of went around and connected back to it. And what it did is when the, when the Roman soldier was getting ready for, for war, putting his armor on, he had this tunic, you know, this red tunic thing that looks like, it, in this picture, it looks just like a shirt, but it was a tunic. It was like a square cloth that you kind of put over yourself, and if you didn't have your belt around you, it would just be flapping around, you know? I don't know, how, how many of you guys have ever played sports, or maybe been in the military, or maybe just done stuff outside where you have to wear clothing that is loose where you can move around, but it's not so loose that you're going to get caught on everything? Right? You know, if you're, if you're trying to play a football game, you don't want to have, like, this huge uniform so they can tackle you. All right? If you're a Roman soldier, you don't want to have something that the enemy can just grab onto or maybe that you'll get caught in a thicket. You want to be able to secure it down. So they took this belt and they secured their clothing down. Paul makes the illustration here that this is the belt of truth. We should put on the belt of truth as security in our Christian walk, in our faith. It holds us together. You know, don't be flopping around um, entangled in lies. That is one of the number one things that the devil uses as, um, almost as ammunition, or his, his battle that he brings to you is through lies. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What did the, what did the serpent do? He deceived Eve. He lied to her. You know, she said, you know, oh, snake, we're not supposed to eat that fruit. And he said, well, you're right. She said, well, she said, because God said that we would die. And he said, but will you surely die? Are you sure that's what God really said? And he began to tell her these lies to where she began to believe what he was saying. That's what the devil does a lot, a lot in our lives, is lies come up to us and it entangles us and it holds us down. Put on the belt of truth. Hold fast to truth. Be secure in truth. Um, don't be flopping around in lies and in hypocrisy and what's fake and what's false. Live what's true. Live what's true. So I'm going to look at my notes real quick. Um, so the question is, how do we put on this belt of truth? Okay, because it's spiritual, right? It's not real. I mean, it is real. Sorry, it is real. It's not a tangible, physical thing that you can put on. How do we put on this belt of truth? If you would, please, go to 2 Timothy 4. Second Timothy 4. I'm going to read those first few verses. This is Paul as he's talking to Timothy. Now just, I'm sure you all know this, but just to kind of catch you up to speed here, um, Paul, he, 
had a really cool guy that he kind of mentored, that he poured his life into, and this was Timothy. And he taught him how to be a pastor, how to be a preacher, how to be just a good Christian and a leader, and he poured his life into him. And this is Paul's charge to Timothy. And it says this, I charged you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will, return, will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And he says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Paul is exhorting Timothy here to preach the word. And he says that if you don't, people will stray away from the truth and they will tickle their itching ears with other teachings, with what's wrong, with false doctrines, false teachings. Preach the word, preach truth. How do you put on the belt of truth? You come to church on Sunday mornings and you listen to Pastor Philip preach. Because Pastor Philip has taken time to, um, to study the Word of God and to pray about what he is preaching and to make sure that what he is preaching is lining up with the Word of God and is lining up with truth so that he can preach it from his heart and out of his lips into your lives, into our lives. And so we come and we hear this to be exhorted, to be reproved, to be rebuked, um, to be corrected, but to hear the truth that he is proclaiming. That's how we put on the belt of truth. You also preach to yourself. Because hopefully this, on Sunday mornings, is not the only day that you're getting a dose of truth. Hopefully you're getting it every day. You're spending time in the Word of God. You're spending time with Him. Hopefully you can preach to yourself and you can preach to even others that you know. And you're going back to the Word of God and you're going back to what that truth is and so that they can be filled and so that they can hear what it is that you have to say what the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. Um, here recently, uh, actually in our, our Bible study class for high school, we're going through the different uh, spiritual gifts. And we talked about last week, we talked about the gift of prophecy. And, you know, that's kind of a weird gift because you think about, you know, what is the gift of prophecy, especially in today's times, we're in, the, we're in the New Testament time. In the Old Testament, when you had a prophet, you had a guy who would come and he would just proclaim what God has, what God has said, you know, saying, repent, turn from your ways, and listen to me. And all the people would test him and make sure that what he was saying is, is true. And if it wasn't, they would stone him. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. But that gift still goes on today because it's to talk, Paul talks about the gift of prophecy. And how the gift of prophecy is basically that God has gifted you to proclaim the Word of God. Not in the sense of like telling the future or telling, you know, as a psychic or anything like that. But God is speaking through you and you're proclaiming, you're professing what God has placed on your heart. Pastor Philip in a sense, and today would be considered a prophet. Because he, every day he comes up here, every Sunday, he preaches the word of God, proclaiming that 
to you. Um, and that is truth. Now here's the thing. Paul also, in 1 Thessalonians, notes, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, you don't have to turn there, but he says this. He says, test prophecies. He says, do, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Back in those days, there was a lot of people who would come to the church and they would begin teaching these certain things and they wouldn't quite line up with the gospel that they knew, but it sounded right. It sounded almost what they should believe, but there's just this one little thing that was a little bit different. And Paul knew this and Paul was trying to combat this saying, listen, these false teachers are coming these false teachers are, are coming. Make sure what they say is true. When someone gets up and speaks, make sure what they're saying is true. And go back. And it lines up with, with Scripture. Test these things. Um, but as for us, as a church, we get our dose of truth through listening to the Word of God, through listening to it preached, through reading it ourselves, um, through knowing that, knowing what Scripture says. Because there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of false teachings out there. There's a lot of things that they sound right, but there's just not quite. And if you, if you, if you begin believing that, it's going to steer you down a wrong path. And there's a lot of that in today's time. I don't know if you've ever heard of the philosophy of relativism. All right? That's basically something that is going on today where people say there is no real absolute truth there is no real absolute truth. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And what is good for you is good for you, but don't impose that on me because I want to believe this certain thing. You know, and what that does, that begins to separate different ideas and philosophies to where everything can kind of work together. It can kind of mesh together. It can kind of be one big, just whatever you want it to be. The thing is, is that there is a God, and God has a standard, and he has a way, and truth has to be absolute. In order for it to make sense to any degree, it has to be absolute. So there can only be one truth. Jesus himself even said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if anyone wants to come to the Father... He has to come through me. He has to come through me. That is truth. There can only be one. There can only be one. Now, I'm not saying that, um, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Because that can get really confusing. And, you know, now we're, we're getting into, like, philosophies and ideologies. And I'm not smart enough to go there. So we're not going to worry about that. Um, but get, get your dose of truth. Get your dose of truth in small groups in church, on Sunday mornings, in your own quiet times, that's where you get this truth put into your life. All right? Um, so the next question is this. How do we know truth? Um, I need a volunteer from the audience, and I'm going to volunteer Daniel to come up here. <laughs> sure. and, um, and so this volunteer he has to be someone from Davie County, he has to have come from Davie County High School, all right, and graduated there. And um, Daniel, I'm going to ask you, 
Oof, man. I'm going to step off the stage, just let him take stage for a little bit. I'm going to ask Daniel to tell me a little bit about your time at Davie County High School. Actually, let's go ahead and do the next slide, and let's see. All right, at Davie County High School, tell us about your time here. You definitely played on that court? Definitely played on that court. Davie County, you guys right? But <laughs> you're lying. You didn't play on that court? No, I haven't. What do you mean? That's in Kentucky. Oh. Davie? Oh. Is that not Davie County High School? Oops. Oh, why? It would have been fun to play there. Well, why? Okay, I got it wrong, obviously. What's wrong with that? Well, Davies, Davies County High School, right? No. Okay. That, that, that's false. Is the, is the, your mascot's the, the Panthers, right? No. Oh, the War Eagles? Okay, I'm not from Davie County, obviously. All right, so, all right, so that's, not, that's not the high school you went to. So you can't tell me about that, right? No, I can't. But it's Davies County High School. It just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right. Okay. All right. Well, maybe this one. Let's see the next slide. All right. There's, there's the Eagles, right? Davies High School, right? In North, oh, North Dakota, not North Carolina. All right. So you didn't go to this school. No, I did not. Okay. You did not go to this school. How do you know that? All right. All right. So you can't tell me anything about this school, no. right? All right. So Davies, Davies High School. It's not even Davies County, and that's in Fargo, North Dakota, not North Carolina. Okay. But they're the Eagles. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. All right. Let's see the next slide. All right. Did you go to this high school? Did you did go to this high school. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Davies County High School. Not, not not that one. That, that's new. Um, I'm old. So, <laughs> uh, he's really old. What, one year after graduation? <laughs> so, you, can you tell me anything about Davie County High School? This one right here. You went to this place, right? You did? A long time ago. You went to this one? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically, so, so that is the, the old school at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. So that is the old school. But the rest of it, that's the new school. You've never been there, yeah. right? It looks like where you've been, right? It's the same mascot, the same place, but it's still not where you've been. Yeah. All right. Let's see the next one. All right. This one? Yeah, I did is that, that gym. You did play at that gym. <laughs> I did play at that gym. Good. All right. How do you know this is the school you went to? Because you've been there. You've seen it with your eyes. You've, you've touched it. Have you licked it? <laughs> so maybe, maybe Daniel has licked it, but you, but you know that school because you experienced it. Right? All right, let's give Daniel a hand. 
And he's a good sport. I didn't really tell him anything about that, so he did good playing along. That was awesome. Uh, all right, so how do we know truth? There was Davies County High School, and there was Davies High School, and there's kind of similar to Davie County High School. And then we saw the new school, but it's not still, still not the one that he graduated from. How could he know what truth was? Because he, ex- what was that? He recognized it. He's been there. He's experienced it. He knows the school. He knows where he graduated, I would hope. <laughs> and he does. And I have a feeling he probably knows everybody at that school too, because that's just the kind of guy Daniel is. He knows everyone, everywhere in Davie County. Um, but he, he knows it. He experienced it. How do we know truth? We have to experience it. We have to know it. Most importantly, we have to know God. Why? Because God is truth. God is truth, hands down. You can't argue with that. God is truth. You have to know him. But there's a difference between knowing about God and truly knowing who he is. There's a lot of people in this world, they know all about God. They know all about what he's written in his word. They know the characteristics. They know different things about him, different theologies maybe. But the thing is, they don't truly have a relationship with him. In order to truly know and understand truth and to truly experience truth, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to have a relationship with the God of this universe, with your creator. You have to know him. You know, I, I graduated from a Bible college, and going through Bible college, it was great. I loved, it was, it was great going, going and, um, you know, learning all these different things and, you know, relationships with people, and I met my wife there, so, I mean, that was, that was really awesome, I got to say, you know, I married up, so that's pretty cool, <laughs> out of Bible college, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, but, you know, being, being at Bible college, that was some of my most spiritually dry times in my life. And the reason why, and I, I finally figured it out, the reason why is because I began to substitute knowing God with knowing about God. And I began to substitute my, my time with Him and my personal relationship and the time spent in Scripture just bathing in, in bathing is the right word, but bathing in Scripture, being immersed in the Word and letting God work through that, His Holy Spirit to work through me, I began to switch that with studying and with preparing for a test and with trying to get all this knowledge put into my head so that I could know theology and know doctrine and know what was going to be on the test so I could pass it. And finally it hit me that I was missing out on the God of this universe because I wasn't spending time with him. I was spending time knowing all about him. I could tell you certain things about God. I can tell you certain theologies and ways to explain them and where in scripture. And that was great. But I separated that with truly knowing him. It wasn't until I figured out that, you know what? I can go to class and I can study about God and that can be a devotional. That could be time where I am learning about him and I'm worshiping him because I'm learning about all these great things that he's done. And I'm learning about all these great things in life and how he works and moves and his plan of salvation for 
humanity and how he worked through the Jews and through Jesus and you know, all these different things and how that comes together. And I can worship the God of the universe because I'm learning about him, but I'm also in relationship with him. And I think that is one of the things that, you know, a lot of people will say that their, their seminary time or their time in Bible college was dry because they made it academic. You know, your time at church, your time in the Word, you're not just reading to learn about God. You're not just reading to put in all this information into your mind so that you can rattle off things and so you can do all these different things. You're doing it for you. And so that God can work in your heart and he can bring you closer to him in relationship. That's what God desires. That's why he sent Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for us and to take our sin on that cross and to take the punishment that we deserve and that if we trust in him, we can be a part of that family of God and have salvation and be saved from our sin. That's why God did it because he loves us. John 3.16, one of the most quoted verses in Scripture, for God so loved the world, He sent His only Son to die for us. Right? It's because He loves us. And He wants us. And He wants you. And He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you just to merely know about Him. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you to know who He is. He wants you to be able to take the Scripture that you read and apply it to your life. He wants you to take all these great things and truly um, be able to use it in your day. And so you don't just read the Scripture and say, okay, well, I know this about God, and this is great, but how can I use that? How can I use that in my day-to-day walk? How can I use that with a friend of mine who might be struggling with something? And I can preach truth into their life. How can I use it for me, who I might be struggling with something, and I can preach truth back into my life? He wants you to know him. But then, there are times in our life where we may deal with this thing called doubt. You know, the thing about truth is you have to believe it. It doesn't negate it. It's still truth, but it doesn't do any good unless you truly believe it. And one of the things that the Satan does is he loves to place lies and deceptions out there and to steer you wrong, to steer you away from truth. And he does this thing that's called, he puts this thing called doubt in our lives. I know because I deal with it. There's sometimes I'll deal with, with doubt about something. And um, God doesn't want that. God wants us to, to, to truly trust him and understand what he's saying. I'm going to read this one last piece of uh, passage, scripture. It's in John 20. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Um, This is Jesus after he was crucified and rose again, and he was walking on this earth for about 40 days, and he was appearing to different people, and then he does this. Um, He didn't appear to this one disciple named Thomas, right? He appeared to all these different other disciples and people, and, and they were talking about how Christ had rose from the dead. But then Thomas is saying, well, I don't... I don't believe that. Well, it starts right here. It says in, verse, uh, in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So Thomas was, he heard the truth. He heard the truth of the gospel in completion. You know, Chad, one thing that Chad said last week is that part of that gospel being complete is that yes, Christ came and he died and he rose again. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm mixing this up. And that he's coming again. And, but this, that doesn't really add to this point. So we're going to scratch that idea. <laughs> but it was a good point. Um, <laughs> but what, uh, what Thomas did he, is he's, he's saying, unless I see, unless I see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe. <laughs> well, then this, and you know what happens. In verse 25, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my, and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus, he said, My Lord and my God. He believed. He believed this was Jesus Christ, resurrected. He was alive. That's great. That's wonderful. He believed. But then Jesus says this to him. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, we have not seen Jesus Christ resurrected. We've not seen him. But we believe. We believe that he came. We believe that he died. We believe that he rose again. We believe that he's coming back again to get us and to bring us to heaven with him. We believe that, and that is truth. And part of that is having faith. Faith is something that strengthens our truth. And um, I wrote this down. Let me see. Um, When it comes to knowing God, going back to knowing who God is truly, there's an element to trust in him that is strengthened by our faith. There's an element to trust in God that is strengthened by our faith. Faith is how we see God. Faith is how we touch God. Faith is that spiritual sense that the only way that we can truly know who God is is through our faith. And the Word, we have the Word, we have that, but we still have to have faith and believe that that is true. All right? Faith is required in everything in life. Even those who try to go super intellectual saying, well, I just want to track it all back and just, I want to know, I want to, I want to know what are all the signs going to. They still have to have faith to believe those ideas. You still have to have faith that this happened a long time ago and that it's true. Our faith strengthens our trust in, in Christ because that's how we, how we touch him, that's how we see him, that's how we experience him. It's through our faith. we can step out in faith because we know God's word is truth. God's truth is solid and unmovable. The thing is, is that we have to stand firm on that truth. We have to stand firm on that truth. Uh, I'm about out of time, so I'm going to finish this out with the rest of the armor of God. I don't want to leave you hanging. You know, we talked about the belt of truth today, but I I don't want to leave you hanging because there's this one cool thing that's probably the most 
excited I am about this whole sermon today, and it's found in, in right here. Uh, in Ephesians 6, um, we'll just start with verse 13 again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation, and get this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In this illustration of the armor, what hangs on the belt of truth? The sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, hangs on the belt of truth. Yeah, we could say that was a coincidence that, that Paul said that, but I don't, I don't think that is. I think that's a clear, um, um, I think it's pretty clear that he's trying to say that, listen, God's word rests on truth. It rests on that belt of truth. If you want to know God, get into the word. That's where you learn about him. Come to church, hear the word preached, Hear it spoken into your life, but get into your, the word for yourself so that you can know God. You can know who he is. Um, we're going to wrap it up with that, and I think the musicians are going to come up and um, do an invitation. But I just want to say to you guys, if anyone is here and you're struggling with the idea of truth, you're struggling with who God is, you're struggling with what salvation means, um, let this be the day that you put it to rest, that you know what that is. You know what salvation means for you. Um, let this be the day that you, you proclaim God as your king, as Jesus as your savior. Um, I would love to pray with you. I would love to speak with you. We also have Greg as an elder here. We have many guys in this church that would love to speak with you. Um, or maybe you just want to do it in your own heart today as we sing. Uh, let this be the day. Stand firm on truth. Know truth. Know God. Because God is truth. And I'll leave you with this. Truth is truth and truth doesn't change because God is truth and God never changes. God never changes. So this time we're going we're gonna to sing. And, and if you want, the altar's open. If you want to come pray, um, that's fine. If you want to come speak to me, that's fine. But... I'll give it over to these guys.